It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, May 26th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is intrigued by the topic we are going to start off with today about KHL and Russian players. It'll be a good one. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. You can find Russ Cohen, my incredible co-host here on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Locked on Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. Today, we are going to talk about KHL players potentially on the move to North America. We are going to address former Flyers player and head coach Craig Berube's discussion about Nazem Kadri and racism overall. And we are going to do our Thursday prospect profile on Denton Matichuk. So wide variety of topics today, lots of good stuff. And you can listen to us every day by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen to podcasts. So subscribe, you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we get to all that, uh, we did hear through Bill Meltzer that Emil Andre is going to be staying over in the SHL for one more season, which I think is a a good thing. His team uh, got promoted back up to the top division, the SHL, so that'll be good for him as well. Yeah, and he needs to build up his body. He is a smaller guy. Uh, He's not going to come into the NHL right away. He needs to get stronger. He needs to play in North America a little bit. He's got really nice offensive skills, but those other things are going to be what, what he has to work on. Yeah, I I totally agree. And uh, still no update on the Flyers coaching search. We did hear that Rick Tockett and Paul Maurice were interviewed by Vegas. So of course the competition for the top candidates is still out there. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, if the Flyers choose to not, uh, let anybody know about it. We won't talk about it. Like, that's it. What are you going to do? Exactly. What we will be talking about, though, is KHL players potentially coming over to North America. And Russ, you clued me in on this. What exactly is happening right now? So what's happening is um, with everything that's going on in Russia, also, you know, a drop in funds because the, the ruble has crashed. Uh, players are going to leave. And it's not the huge stars, but it's the midline, midway, midline players and guys that will play in the AHL and some will play in the NHL. So what's happened here is, if you noticed in the last couple of days, there has been an influx of signings for AHL slash NHL guys. You know, Nick Sealer was was an example. You know, Lena Sandine, you know, he probably saw the writing on the wall. And if he wasn't prepared to go overseas, which I guess he wasn't, he'd rather stay here. So he precipitated that deal, I'm sure. Because, you know, once these guys get here, then the competition gets stiff and some of them are going to be without jobs. So so there's a worry out there for the, like, mostly AHL player, depth NHL players because of that. 
Yeah, that could create more competition for contracts at the AHL level, which will affect, uh, to your point, the more veteran level AHL players, I think, more so than anybody else. And you're you're obviously your depth NHL kind of players that are on two way contracts. And so where I'm wondering, is this something that you think would be helpful to the Flyers organization in terms of getting players like this from the KHL? Or is it going to hurt them because it'll maybe potentially damage relationships with current players. No, I think the Flyers, you know, probably had an idea of who they were going to bring back. So they, you know, they obliged those guys um, quickly. Uh, You hope they have a lot of irons in the fire over there so they can get some um, and some of that talent, but maybe they won't. Maybe they want to go with what they know. Um, Lately, that's my feeling with, you know, Chuck Fletcher is he's kind of he'd rather go with the known than the unknown. But I feel like, yeah, if you could bring in a little influx, why not? Um, We saw the Rangers brought in a Swedish center. We saw somebody else sign somebody else from Sweden. Flyers aren't being very aggressive with that. And so, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. Yeah, I think that's where I sort of question whether or not the Flyers would take advantage of this in a good way. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, Chuck Fletcher seems to be a W you know kind of guy yes. and not a try new things, take the risky option out there. And I just got to wonder if the Flyers and more so the Phantoms could suffer as a result relative to other teams around them. Yeah, I mean... I can't give you names of players because I haven't really looked at it. But when this kind of stuff's floating around, you know, even even if you're getting players from over there that are in their 30s, those are good guys that mm-hmm. after a half a season could probably start helping you in the NHL, if not before then. But you do have to take that risk. You do have to say, hey, we've been watching this guy for quite a while. Like, you know, uh, not that they've had a tremendous amount of success in the playoffs, but a team that has taken advantage has been the Leafs. They've gotten a lot of guys from Russia and some have worked out and some haven't. The one that haven't, they've obliged in trades. That's kind of how you do it. Yeah. I think you do have a lot of flexibility there too, Mm -hmm. when things don't work out, especially at the minor league level. There's so many teams out there that are willing to make deals even for future considerations. So I, I don't think that the risk is very high on that front. I do wonder, is there, do you think, based on this influx that could potentially happen next season, is there going to be an adjustment problem where teams, it'll just take a a longer time for teams to get chemistry together because of potentially different styles of play? I mean, I guess that's possible. It depends how many players you would get. Uh, If you got a goalie and he didn't speak English, sure, we know that, that that's a hurdle. So mm-hmm. that's maybe, you know, you're probably only talking about a couple teams with that one. Um, if you get a defenseman, I remember when Medvedev came in, it did, there was a little bit of an adjustment there, and it didn't work out ultimately. But there was a little bit of an adjustment at the, at the beginning, if you remember with that. So right, right. You know, if you get forwards, not that much of an adjustment. Plus mm-hmm. you have Provorov. So the fact is, you know, that helps ease in somebody too if they happen to be um, coming into camp. Yeah. My first thought, honestly, was Ivan Fedotov, that they signed him. Does he have any friends that want to come right. over and play no, but for that's the what you do. But that's what you do. You, you you talk to a guy like that and say, hey, is there somebody there that 
you feel like could really be a benefit to this team. You always should ask guys like that because you never know. Yeah, and I think it would go a long way to building a relationship with Fedotov and giving him confidence that he's part of their plan for the future, right? Is that you ask for his input on other players. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be a good thing because I feel like you can never know enough about what's going on in the KHL because it's a vast league. Like some of those teams are really remote and, you know, it's not like everybody can see those players all the time. Well, and they're not all in Russia either. No, that's true too. But I think that's going to start changing too. They already lost, you know, a few teams. And so that may start to change as well. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I just, it is a real interesting topic, I think, just because it could potentially kind of change the face and the culture of the AHL. Mm -hmm. And it could sort of change what the feeder system is to the NHL moving forward that, you know, there have been some assumptions that for a certain group of Russian players, they weren't going to come over, come over no matter what. And that affected drafting and everything. And that the players that were going to come over came over younger, let's say. Yeah. Or, um, you know, and adjusted to North America in junior hockey. Yeah. But these guys, NHL teams are going to be more open to these guys because, they're trying to come here once they're here. They have them here. Drafting's still going to be a question because you're a lot of times those guys are sought after in the KHL and they will pay them a little more to keep them around. So there's still a risk in drafting. Yeah, I am fascinated by this. I think it'll be something to keep an eye on, especially as Chuck Fletcher looks to build up the Phantoms mm-hmm. roster. And are they going to be creative and and look at these guys as options as opposed to just uh, signing another good old boy from Minnesota. Right. Yeah. I mean, even just make a, a, you know, a signing or two from the world championships, like just, it's never a bad thing. I mean, you could find players. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's where Matt Zuccarello was, was signed out of right when the Rangers signed him. So as an example, AHL contracts are a plenty. So hopefully he can go for it. All right. We are going to, uh, talk about Craig Berube and Nazem Kadri and all that coming up next. But first, man, Built Bars are on a tear right now with so many new flavors. We've been talking about them in the last couple of weeks. You have been asking and they delivered Built Granola Bars are now here. These are so different from the bars and the puffs we've been talking about. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like the bars and puffs, these are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. With 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, but only 4 grams of sugar, Built Granola Bars are going to change your world. They have cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch. You take it on the road or eat it as a snack. And just like the puffs, they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Built granola bars come in three delicious flavors to try, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. You got to get yours today. If you want to try all three of those flavors, you can order a mixed box right at built.com. So go to built.com to get your built granola bars now. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So on yesterday's show in the mailbag, we talked a little bit about the incident with Nazem Kadri and uh, the games between the Blues and the Avalanche getting a, a little testy there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that uh, Nazem Kadri, after essentially taking Bennington out of the series uh, due to crashing into him, on the ice received via social media, uh, according to his wife, who posted screenshots of it. Yeah. I mean, it was horrific, absolutely was. horrific. Um, just racist threats, uh, anti-Muslim threats, death threats, uh, just ugly, ugly stuff. And it's just heartbreaking to see that happen. And at the same time, the blues and Craig Brubery just seem to be fumbling the ball on all of this in terms of a response and and calling it out for what it was. Uh, Craig Berube had said no comment initially about it, and it just kind of sat there for a day mm-hmm. before he eventually said, oh, sorry, I'm not on social media. I didn't know there was racism involved. I just thought it was generic attacks because of the, of the hockey. And man, that was a, a tough thing to hear. <laughs> Yeah, I believe Baruby in what he said. He, I've always found him to be honest. I've interviewed him enough in Philly and have been on a couple of other shows that he's been on. Pretty honest guy. But the Blues, you can't take up the hook here because, look, they have social media people. If you don't think they saw things on social media, you're crazy. So the fact is they should have reacted to that quicker. No question about it. And I think Baruby did the right thing because I think he saw because it was kind of hanging out there that he might as well be the one to do it. And I think, you know, he kind of did that for the club. And, you know, he's not on social media, so it's hard to say that he did know. Yeah, I do think, though, that it just felt like too little, too late, even though it did come directly from him. And I do understand, and, you know, it's very clear, he is of Native descent, and so he has experienced racism Mm -hmm. in, in his life as well. And so I don't you know, discount the honesty of what he's saying in terms of not being aware of, of it, in terms of it being a racist threat. Do not question that whatsoever. What I do question, partially to your point about the team itself having social media people and PR people, they should have been more clued into mm-hmm. this and either made a statement more quickly and more aggressively on their own as an organization or fed him that information sooner to talk about it sooner in a more effective way. Because to me, what that says about Craig Berube, and it's not just him, other coaches have been like this around the NHL where social issues come up or things like this come up and they don't know how to talk about it, that they don't have any training or information to talk about it. And I, I think the other big thing for me is that it discounts the humanity of the players mm-hmm. around them and that if you care about the people you work with, you make an effort to understand what's going on in the world at large and how that could affect your coworkers. I mean, it's right? easy to say that, but coaches are so insulated that. But that's a bad thing. That's what I'm saying. Is I that know, that's a but very you're not gonna, it's hard to change that. It is going to be hard to change but that. Why give up like that though, Russ? 
Why just say, oh, we can't change it? I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying even if they tell you they're going to try, they still may fall back on those ways. That's what I'm basically telling you. That's, that's, I think, completely unacceptable. I think there has to be a greater effort made. I think there are other people on the team besides these coaches who can make it part of their responsibility to make sure that coaches and, and other team staff are informed about these things so that it, they don't look bad. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I could tell you that if uh, what the Blues could have done, they could have looked up the identities of those players. And if they saw that they were following um, St. Louis Blues on, on Twitter, they could have blocked them and show the world, hey, we blocked these guys. We looked at it. This is unacceptable. This is what we'll do to others that, mm -hmm. that act that way. They could have done that for sure. Right. This just all got hung on Craig Berube, who was yes. in his tunnel vision yep. for the playoffs. But to me, I don't care that you're in this mode of, oh, I'm just focused on the job and focused on the game. I, and I don't have time for this. Be a human being. I mean, that's something that has been wrong with hockey culture overall, where it's, there's so much focus on the game at hand and an acceptance of that focus on the game at hand that we ignore you know, persistent injuries, we ignore racism and racist attacks on people. We ignore things that are going on in the world. I mean, I remember, and I said it on this very show last year or the year before with Alain Vigneault mm -hmm. and that he was asked about Black Lives Matter and George mm -hmm. Floyd. And he's like, I don't know. I'm just focused on my job. Yeah, no, and watching he, video. He, that was weak. That was he terrible. backed off it. It, it was. It was terrible. And I, it just, I think, a consistent thing that happens in hockey where there's this allowance that people don't have to be responsible and people don't have to have opinions on these things. And we don't hold people like coaches and GMs to account when they let us down as a community. Yeah, look, I mean, I think a lot of times teams default to the league just, just to do it. Whether that's right or wrong. I just think that happens yeah. a lot. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just think it's wrong. I know. <laughs> and I, I will it. say so again and again and again. Because if we don't say things and we don't bring this up every time it happens and ding a guy like Baruby for, for failing this and, and ding the team, the Blues, for not saying something more effective sooner or supporting their coach in being a more effective communicator, mm -hmm. then what are we doing here if we're not saying things and, and calling it out? Nope, that's fair. All right, that's my soapbox for the day. <laughs> uh, it's been stewing in my, in my head for the last couple of days, so I'm glad I get to talk about it on this show. And again, I think it's also been, like I said, the Alain Vigneault thing has been mm -hmm. bothering me, even though he's no longer with the team. I think it was just something that was a stain on on him and the Flyers overall. And, and I don't want that to happen again with the Flyers in particular. No, I get it. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of fans that feel the same way, too. All right. We are going to look ahead to the NHL draft. We've got another prospect profile today, and that's Denton Matiachuk coming up next. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next year's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts.
All right, Russ, Denton Matiachuk, super interesting prospect to look at. He's a left-handed defenseman, and he's got a July birthday, so a little bit younger than some of the other guys in the draft. He's actually still 17, and more power to him. I love it when the younger kids get a shot. Well, many, many look at that, yeah, as maybe having a higher upside sometimes because they're not as developed. So, And I think Mm -hmm. that's sometimes true. I don't think it's always true. Uh, right now, he's on the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL. Uh, 64 points in 65 games this regular season. 13 goals, 51 assists, man. That is a haul in assists, yep. which is obviously fantastic for a defenseman. Uh, 10 playoff games, 9 assists, and a goal. So kept up that pace into the playoffs, which is great. Uh, right now... He is ranked anywhere from 8 to 29, but seems to uh, average out around 14 to 16 overall. Yeah, the interesting thing is, like, I have him grouped together with Ryan Chesley, Pavel Mintukov, Kevin Kraczynski, Ty Nelson. It doesn't mean they'll get drafted that way. That's just where I sort of have them talent-wise and may manipulate that a little bit as I look deeper into some of the guys. But with Matze Chuck, um, you know, really smart very good skater. He um, he has a lot of responsibility at Moose Jaw and and seems to like it. I mean, this year his he had twenty points in his first twenty three games. It was hard to ignore that. Uh, he's fast. He's elusive because he's not the biggest guy. He's five eleven, and, and that's something else I, I wanted to talk about. Now I think um, in the next five years we're going to see more five eleven really skilled. You know, five nine to five eleven really skilled defenseman on on every team you're not going to see like two uh, pairing but I think you might start seeing two or three starting for teams because a lot of these guys are super creative and fast and they're learning how to be elusive and at that point why do you have to have somebody that's six foot two you don't and Mm -hmm. so I think I think these kinds of players now are we're going to start seeing more of them so you know Matichuk is is a guy that uh, if the Flyers were to trade down a little bit, he's going to be right there. And that's somebody you have to look at. I, I love his um, his hockey IQ, his vision. Puck moving is terrific. He is a two-way guy. The passing is really good. He's got a very hard one-timer. Uh, and his stick and puck control is good. And, you know, you could just – you could hear that he's a smart guy. He's smart on the ice. He, um, you know, he didn't hurt himself at the uh, – all at the top prospects game this year. People enjoyed um, what he was able to do there, show off a little bit. Uh, This is a guy, again, who I would project as a second-pairing guy. And so, again, if you make a trade and you get another pick and you decide at that point this is the strength of the draft where we are um, and you're choosing between these defensemen, you're choosing some, some really good defensemen here. It may not be super sexy like, hey, you're getting a number one because, you know, again, I want to kind of point out uh, when when Ivan Provorov was pre- before his draft, you know, I watched him in in the USHL just in one tournament and and I was sold on him and I wrote about him before a lot of other people. And then he eventually, you know, gets drafted and I thought he could be a number one. He is a number one. Now, we have to understand there's 32 number ones in the league. Just because you drafted a guy and he did become a number one doesn't mean he's going to become a top five number one. And that's where I think Flyers fans kind of, you know, parse it 
with Provorov because they're always like, well, look, he's he, you know, he's not like this guy, but you know, he's in, he's in the top fifteen number ones. I that's the way I look at it. So maybe he'll get a little better, maybe he won't, but that's still a pretty damn good player. Yeah, and I think you know something you said that was particularly important to me is that he uh, Matiachuk, not Provorov, but right. Matiachuk seems like a guy you would draft if you are forward thinking and looking ahead to what is something that people want to have in the future of the NHL and not kind of looking backward to something, right? Yes. Yeah, you um, you don't want to look backward. I, I agree with that. And the other thing is that his two-way game seems to be really stellar, that if you have that vision and, you know, I think I read a couple of places that he really is good at driving opposing players to the outside and mm-hmm. preventing quality shots as a yeah. defenseman while driving plays offensively, too. And that's something that usually you know takes a lot of guys a little bit longer to be able to do that effectively. Yeah, if you could suppress the other team's um, offensive players and then get the puck back, go the other way, that's that's a really valuable thing. What's interesting is, and I get texts on this all the time, it seems like um, fans are okay with someone of Matichuk's size being very adept at like stick checking and and stripping the puck that way, where if you're like 6'3 and you're doing that, then they want you to be physical. And so I, I think Matichuk does it right. And he is like 185, I think, pounds. So it's not like he's a wallflower. Um, mm-hmm. He can take some punishment. And, but yeah, he's not going to be this overly physical guy, but he's going to be a guy that can work your power play and can get you five on five points. And, and that's, you know, that's valuable. And that's where you have to kind of look at it and say, okay. And don't think just because you have Cam York, you can't use Matichuk because that's crazy. Well, of course. I mean, the more the merrier, right? You want to have a solid defensive core that has both of those sets of skills Mm -hmm. all up and down your your D pairings. And to have somebody that can do all of it, it gives you more flexibility in terms of who you pair them with, right? Yeah, because you don't have to have a true defensive defenseman on your team if both guys are responsible but you can have more offense. You can always add more offense and puck moving mm-hmm. to your blue line. And we're seeing it more and more. So I'm more like, yeah, is, is these guys are responsible. And maybe you have one guy that's, you know, a little more physical than the rest that you can kind of put out there on some shifts that when you need that, well, it's better to get the puck out of my end and, and pressure the other team, get puck possession in our offensive zone and keep it there. Cause the more you have it there, the better chance, you know, you have the scoring. Yeah, man, it is getting harder and harder to decide whether keeping the number five overall versus trading down is the right thing to do for the Flyers, especially when they could potentially get a second rounder in this draft and get another quality player. But uh, if they do, I don't think Flyers fans are going to be disappointed with who they end up with, especially if it's a guy like this. No, and this is, you know, the one good thing about talking about these players on the show like we're doing is to kind of dispel the notion that this isn't that deep a draft. Next year is really the great draft. It's like, listen, uh, when you really start looking at these players, maybe you're not identifying superstars. But like I said, sometimes a superstar will come out and you didn't think he would be that. Or, you know, you get this Sebastian Ajo type where it's like, well, he's Mm -hmm. not a superstar, but he's a star. Exactly. And you didn't expect that. And you get a few of those guys. 
the first round's pretty loaded here and loaded to the point where I don't think there's going to be a, a large miss rate for guys playing in the NHL. Now, you know, will some of them be safe picks? Sure. But I don't think it'll be like a draft where you have like six, seven guys missing out of the no. first round either. I don't. No, I know. I wish we could project five years into the future and see what's going on with these kids already. Yeah. But unfortunately, we cannot do that because time travel is not a thing. Not yet. What we can do, however, is uh, give you our Flyers fun thing, which uh, is our coverage of draft eligible prospects so far in this draft season. We've done so many of them on the show so far because Russ is our draft expert here. And I am a spreadsheet expert. And so I put together all of the draft profiles that we have done together into a spreadsheet. There's a link to it so that you can go back and look at all of the profiles we've done so far. If you haven't heard those episodes, go back and listen to them and see what we thought about those individual players and start getting ready for the draft. Yeah, it's great. I mean, again, I've been at this for months and months and months, and I will still do it for another couple of months before I really finalize on things, honestly. I'm very excited for the draft, and we're going to continue our draft coverage tomorrow where we have special guest Chris Peters of The Daily Faceoff. He's got his newsletter, Hockey Sense, just one of the most phenomenal people in prospect coverage around hockey. So very excited to get to talk to him. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your questions for the mailbag via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers, or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. From first round matchups to every Stanley Cup final victory, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.